All right, so a couple more points about how to know if a business is a good industry or not. Um, one thing I mentioned, uh, we were talking about the possibility of somebody coming into your business and uh, totally uh, competing with you. And I guess the word that people use these days is disruption. Um, disruption is often used inappropriately and I only say that because it was popularized as far as applying to businesses by a Harvard business professor I think in the 80s and his name is Clayton Christensen and he wrote a book called The Innovator's Dilemma which was the last book Steve Jobs was reading when he died and the book says well it says a lot of things but basically a disruption according to him is a cheaply scalable a, a business that comes from the low end or fringe end of the market with a cheaply scalable technological core that quickly takes all the market share. And so when you're usually if you're in an industry that has high profit or option, uh, high profit margins, the trend is to say that you are quote ripe for disruption. And what that means is somebody knows if they know your profit margin somebody knows that they can charge a heck of a lot less than you if as long as they can keep their costs down and so i think that as far as what i've seen just a little bit on that netflix documentary about the business of the porn industry um they're not paying workers as much and actors and actresses as much because of the flood of webcams. So you could say that webcams are a disruptive technology to the porn industry. And you're always vulnerable to that anytime you have high profit margins, which these people probably did because it probably doesn't cost, uh, you know, it probably doesn't cost, at least compared to what you can make on one of those videos, it probably doesn't cost a terrible amount. Um, now, another point I wanted to get to is uh, and then you could say in the future, maybe all of that will be disrupted by VR. And VR, you know, I'm not sure that it would count as a disruption because it's going to cost more. Because you're going to have to pay for that headset to do anything on VR. So maybe you could say that VR porn will disrupt sex. Maybe what it's cheaper than is real dating. And a lot of people think that we will probably do that. If you saw... It sounds funny, but if you saw Demolition Man in the 90s with Sandra Bullock and Sylvester Stallone, when they wanted to get intimate, they it was a joke because Sylvester Stallone is like, oh, okay, you, you want to sleep with me? And she goes, here's your headset. And he's like, what the hell is this? I don't remember what they said. But it's funny. And she said, it's more hygienic. There's no, you know, problems, no chance of disease, etc. So, and we can all think of other reasons that that might be preferable. Uh, I'm not saying everybody will want to do that or that we'll all transition to that. Anyway, so that's one problem is that with any business, you, you need to know that you could be disrupted. And maybe you, what you should think about is how can you disrupt an industry rather than buy or do the same thing somebody else is doing in it. Another point I'd like to make is it's not enough to know just that a business or an industry makes money. It's not just does it make money. It's how much money does it make in comparison to the market as a whole. So we know that the S&P 500 index, which is just the list of the top 500 companies by stock price, has, has returned... 10% real, meaning minus inflation, inflation adjusted since the 1950s, annualized. So on average, you'll get 10% a year in the S&P 500. 
Um, to know how fast that doubles, use something called the rule of 72. So if you want to know if 10% is good, um, take your, your return, your percentage, and put that into 72. And that will tell you how many years it will take to double. So that means the S&P 500 doubles on average every seven years. Now, this isn't a law of the universe or something, so you know, don't, don't think that I'm giving a guarantee. Because the stock market does go through some periods where it has, the S&P 500 I think has gone through uh, three periods now that it was flat. Now what that, three 10 year periods that it was flat. Now what that means is it made so much more. In other words, it was making zero for 10 years in a row, three different times or it netted after that 10 years elapsed, 0%. You get what I'm saying. But what that means is it made so much more money in the following 10 years that it was still able to make that 10% average annual return since 1950. Um, so, and the reason for that, by the way, so I, I don't make any guarantees that that will always happen. But the reason that it has happened is that American companies are the most innovative in the world. Now, in some circles, usually not business circles, that's a controversial statement to some people. But in business circles, and particularly in business schools and in economics departments, that is not a controversial statement. So if you think of... so. I mean, I could give you dozens of examples, but most of the products, new, most of the technology products you use on a daily basis were either invented in America or the means of mass production was invented. So the car was not invented here, but Americans figured out how to mass produce it, Henry Ford. Um, the uh, TV was co-invented in America. Um, the internet was co-invented in America. You could say the internet was invented here under it was called ARPANET and then the World Wide Web technology for uh, hosting pages was invented in CERN in France by university scientists. Um, but it was co-invented here. Um, and then obviously, you know, the smartphone comes from here. The um, hard drive, the optical disc, the cell phone. So, so many things. Most medical innovation for the last 150 years or more has come from the US. And I don't think that's because we're better or anything. I just think part of it is we have more open immigration than a lot of countries. But, um, you know, and there's also, you know, I happen to think that relatively low taxes compared to many other countries has to do with it. So we have, I think, 5% of the world's population, give or take, but we have, I think, 40% of all of its billionaires. I don't think that happens by chance. And when you have billionaires here, as we see with people like Elon Musk, they start companies here. And some of those companies are the most innovative. And we create the most billionaires. I don't have a staffy on that, but I don't even have to look. Because all of these dot-com billionaires, they tend to come from the U.S. Now, other countries do have their own dot-com billionaire styles, uh, people. Usually those products... So Amazon has their own... Uh, Ch China has their own Amazon. They have their own Google. They have their own Facebook. But China would, it's usually the exception. For most of the rest of the world, people use Amazon, Google, and Facebook, and Apple, and Microsoft. Microsoft's on 95% of the world's computers. Um, the reason that China is different is because China doesn't allow those companies, most of the companies I mentioned, except for Apple, and they even give Apple some trouble, into their country. People say, oh, well, the, the iPhone was invented in China. 
Well, yeah, it wasn't in, not invented. I'm sorry. They say it's manufactured there. It's not manufactured there because Apple didn't know how to make it somewhere else. It's manufactured there because that was the cheapest labor in a stable country that that Apple could find. Now, Apple has to create, they have to design the machines in the US just to make the iPhone. The Apple taught Asia how to make the iPhone. Now, it is true so companies like Foxconn, they're coming up with their own processes. But all of that happened overnight and it started happening when the US began trading with them. I think it was Clinton began opening it up with Walmart, letting Walmart go over there, and then it really blew up in the 2000s. I think in 15 years we brought online 2 billion global consumers between India and China. But all of these countries they're going to they're going to start innovating. Now, and they are they are beginning to innovate, but they're they're not so for instance, you know, China and even China all their phones are running a version of Android. Um, so the the trend, the pace, the trends, usually as far as technology are set, still set in the U.S. Um, part of that is just that our military spends so much. And you know, there's a lot of technology. Some of this new brain technology is coming out of the military. That was a whole aside I didn't want to go into. Um, but there's another point why I was talking about the U.S. stock market and why you have to compare anything you go into to, to the U.S. stock market. Um, one more little note before I make a bigger point. So when you invest in another country, there's extra, oftentimes there's extra fees and taxes to go over there. And sometimes their stock markets are not as stable. Not that ours is always stable, but it's a bit more stable than some other countries. Better history. And then you don't always know if legally you'll be able to get your money out. So this is also whether you a stock market is a good investment. So two more points. And uh, finishing up how you have to compare any investment to the stock market. Um, Warren Buffett puts it this way. Warren Buffett, he is, he usually, at, at different points, he's the richest man in the world. He kind of vies, it depends whose stock portfolio is doing better. Him, Bill Gates, Carlos Slim Elu, who's this um, Mexican billionaire who owns a, a big cell phone company. Uh, but anyway, um, the uh, the Ikea guy, or the Ikea family rather, and the guy who owns Zara, I think, has been the richest man in the world, a Spanish fashion mogul. But anyway, um, Warren Buffett says it this way, uh, comparing U.S. stock market to other types of investments, he goes, you know, you take something like gold. Gold produces nothing. At the end of the day, a bar of gold in the bank is going to be a bar of the gold tomorrow. And indeed, gold prices are usually stable. If you go back... I mean, there's different ways you go back, but the the what people like to say it's been it's been about the same price for 600 years. Some people say longer. So gold produces nothing, but American companies and American farms they're producing new things every day. They're producing more products. Maybe this year they produced 73 million iPhones, and next year they produce 75. Um, the farm. Maybe it produced 50,000 bushels of corn this year, and the next year it does 55. Um, new types of products. They're always creating, they're making things easier to do every day. They're figuring out how to become more efficient. And so they produce new re returns every year that they grow. They have to grow or they won't be in the 500 largest companies. And so that's why he recommends investing in stocks versus um, hiding your money in other, well, don't have to say hiding, but putting it in other assets. Um, but I just wanted to say, so all of this wraps up. It sounds like I'm telling you, like, never start a business, or it might sound like that, or it might say, don't invest in X industry, or, wow, that's a really high bar. And, you know, 
when you're looking at a company, you should sort of look at like, you know, how much will it return to me each year if it does well? How does, you know, looking at benchmarks, how do other companies in this industry do? Try to get a hold of that data. Maybe learn how many people in that market actually exist. What percentage market share um, your competitors have? It's, there's different things to look at. But ultimately, I do think um, at some point, a lot of people need to follow their passion. And so it may be that you could make more money in the S&P 500. And even Donald Trump, there's a, stu- a story you can Google. Donald Trump would have made more money putting the $150 million that his dad gave him in the 70s as an inheritance into the S&P 500 than he would have in all the buildings. Now, he's still a billionaire. And another thing to think about is he got to spend some of that money, so he got to have a lifestyle. And he has a lifestyle that you can only have by being a mogul like him and not just having all your money sitting in the stock market. But anyway, and that and that's kind of my point. So like, if you want to be, you know, if you want to know you want to be um, a shopkeeper, a bar owner, um, start a software company, you're gonna do it. And nothing I'm gonna tell you is gonna stop you. And you know, if you're passionate, and uh, I think you should, you know, that's the only way the world moves forward. And ultimately, you know, if you want to know whether you should start something, I think passion is the arbiter. Um, you need to see if you're passionate and you don't even really need to look because if you're not passionate, I don't think you're going to do it. You're not going to stick with it. Um, so I think passion needs to be, um, needs to be the benchmark. Do you think you are going to care enough to take it to its completion? And then even if you lose, I've seen a lot of times, some of the people I know that get the best jobs, their resume is they started their own company. So, um, and you learn so much. I'm sure any business owner can tell you about awesome lessons they've learned. Uh, sometimes your business, it doesn't become the business you wanted, but it, it takes a different form uh, that you're happier with. Or maybe, you know, in those business failure stats, I've seen a lot of studies that say those studies that show high business failure rates, they're exaggerating because a lot of it's, it's not that the business failed, it's that they just sold. Now you don't know if the you know the business owner made a huge profit by selling it. I think Copper Monkey in Gainesville, famous restaurant in Gainesville, it was sold on eBay for eighty thousand dollars. But I think I'd like to believe if you're following your heart and you're not hurting people and you're not in, you know endangering your family too much, that it works out. All right, guys, that was I think episode one in the can. I think I'm gonna call it, and I hope you enjoyed it. All right, bye.